Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books at Bethany House, publishers of Justice Betrayed by Patricia Bradley. Today I'm joined by Patricia to talk about Justice Betrayed, cold case mysteries, and why Elvis Week in Memphis was the perfect place to set a murder. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram with following Real Vixen. Welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. I'm so excited to be joined right now by Patricia Bradley. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Oh, thank you. I'm honored to be on your program. Oh, well, we're so excited. And I'm really thrilled to talk about your newest book, Justice Betrayed, which um, comes out in June, correct? Right. Next week. Next week. Oh, my gosh. It's coming just around the corner. (laughs) I know. I know. This year has flown. Can you believe it's June 5th? Almost June 5th. I know. I was just saying that to um, some of my coworkers today. I was like, how has May just gone by so quickly? (laughs) How about how has the year gone by so quickly? I know. (laughs) It's insane. And is this always like a nervous time for you, right before, like the week before your books are out? No, I've done all I can do, and and the sales are not up to me; they're up to God. So that is something I've never worried about. Oh, that's that's very good it, to hear. Uh, there's no point. Yeah, I mean, I can I cannot make my sales go up. Probably could make them go down. But yeah, I can't, you know, I can't. There's nothing. There's nothing. That's out, totally out of my hands. Yeah, no, and that's the best way to be when you can't control yeah. anything. You can't be retroactive about it for sure. That's true. <laughs> so, Patricia, let's talk a little bit about how you um, first started writing. Okay. Um, I did not start writing until I was 35. Wow. And only did that. I was always a reader. Mm-hmm. And I, I read everything I get my hands on. And But I had been, when you turn 35, you tend to have trouble sleeping, or I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would lay awake at night, and I'd stare at the ceiling and stare just into space. And one night, this man popped into my imagination. And I could see him. He was standing at a window. And through the window, I could see smokestacks billowing. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, this isn't the way my life was supposed to turn out. And so I began to entertain myself with his stories, or he began to entertain me with his stories. Right. And then uh, different different people would pop, you know, different scenes, and they I just decided one day to start writing them down, and uh, it went from there. I had back then there wasn't much internet, mm-hmm. if any, and um, I don't I didn't even have a computer. I started writing on a manual Royal Manual typewriter. Oh my goodness! And so my very first thing I ever wrote was. Uh, I sent to Woman's World, and they bought it, which just floored me. And uh, yeah, how did that feel to get your first thing that you wrote published? Well, I was so green, I did not know it was that hard. Right, I didn't. <laughs> That's a good place <laughs> <You know>? to be. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. But uh, I actually sent uh, the the. The guideline said to send twenty five hundred words, so I sent four thousand. No, sure, of course. <laughs> yeah, and but the thing is, and that's I've always said it was a God thing. The editor liked it, and she cut it, bought it, and then cut it to the 
what it needed to be. And I learned so much from her cutting. And then the next one I sent in, I just went over about a thousand words. Mm-hmm. And they bought it, and I got to cut that one. And cutting a thousand words, it had to be 1,500, so I had to cut, I had 2,500. Cutting a thousand words out of a 2,500 word short story, I really learned what it meant to make every word count. Yeah, for sure. So, and that taught me a lot. And so, but I thought, oh, I'm on my way. I'll have a book published next year, (laughs) 30-something years later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So had you been, between the time that you first started and when you finally got it published, were you... What were you doing in between that? Were you just like writing and writing, learning the craft? I was. I was writing and learning the craft. But um, I live, uh, as you said, I live in Miss- North Mississippi, and I wasn't aware of any writers. And mm-hmm. that, you know, then you didn't really. It was hard to find critique partners because the online things hadn't started yet, and so I kept making the same mistakes over and over. And then in the middle of writing, I had my husband passed away, and I had. I thought, well, I'll take two years or a year and see what I can do, you know, if I can get a book published, and and that's what I'll do. I'll, I, that's just what I'll be. I'll be a writer, and about two months into that, God called me to something else, and it was just it just blew my mind. And I, and I worked in the abstinence program for eight years mm-hmm. uh, until finally, uh, after I did, I guess everything that I was supposed to, because we wrote a curriculum and workbook, and then uh, it was I was sitting at my I was doing my devotional, and all of a sudden this woman popped in my head and told me that someone was trying to kill her, and I said yes. <laughs> kill people again. <laughs> so, and then that was that's basically has been my writing career, and that's when I hooked up with Susan May Warren mm-hmm. and went to her Deep Thinkers retreats and learned actually learned how to write. Yeah, learned the different things that I was doing right and different things I was doing wrong. That's so cool. And had it always yeah. been um, uh, thrillers for you? Were you always wanting to do romantic suspense? That's what I always read, yeah. and I have I have written some just sweet romances mm-hmm. for Harle- Harlequin, but it's so much easier for me to kill them off than to get them together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, it I, I I read I write what I like to read most. And, okay, and romantic suspense is what I like to read. That and thrillers. And thrillers. Are you? Are you able to do that while you're writing, or do you have to kind of be like, I'm writing now, so I can't read in my genre? No, I can read. No, I, I separate it mm-hmm. that from somehow or another because I have been reading uh, Kara Putman's and not Kara Putman, but Rachel Dillon's and Nancy Meal this last couple of weeks, and uh, they're very good. They're different from mine, but they're I really have enjoyed them. That's yeah. That's interesting. They they. I really liked Rachel Dillon's book. I just talked to her last mm-hmm. week, and and it yes. was very very cool. Yes, I'm so proud that she finally and Daphne, and uh, there was another one. Yeah. So that was cool. Mm-hmm, that is really. It's so great when you get to see your friends do well like that. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, let's jump right into um to the uh the the Memphis cold case series. Okay. Um. So with that, this is the fourth book, the third book, right? Justice Betrayed. Third is book. The third book. Right. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Um. What 
What kind of inspired this series for you? Uh, I grew up in Memphis, mm-hmm. and if the Logan Point series is set right outside of Memphis. Right. Well, I live now, I live across, I live in North Mississippi, but I live all the way in the northeast corner. So uh, for the Logan Point series, I just simply moved Pickwick, which is what I live near, the Tennessee River, and I took it and moved over next to Memphis. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> Easy. I asked my yeah, I asked my editor if I needed to write something in the beginning, maybe apologize to the people of northeast of of the Pickwick area and everything. She said, no, it's fiction. So uh, then that kind of led into, I love cold cases. So that led into the Memphis Cold Case series. Yeah. What is it about cold cases that you love? Uh, the, that I can kind of think about how I can I can solve it, even though you can't really, but you in your mind you mm-hmm. can think of, the, you can figure out the, what might have happened. Yeah. I think that's what fascinates people about cold cases is that they, in their minds, they, they try to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. And it's and without the closure of that, they, you know, it's kind of this thing that hovers over everybody, especially right. the ones involved with it. Right. Yeah, that's so cool. So let's, so with Justice Betrayed, um, what I thought was so funny about this one is that there's a Elvis week. Is this a thing that actually yes. exists in Memphis? It is. It has been... Uh, well, I guess Elvis week, and it's the it's the always on the anniversary of the day he died in okay. August. Mm-hmm. It's centered around August the sixteenth, and uh, instead of his birthday. But then I can understand that because his birthday's in January, and even in North Mississippi or in Memphis, the weather can be dicey mm-hmm, for sure. And the only thing in August, all you know is you're gonna have heat. Yeah. So, but you can deal with that. Exactly. You can go inside, get some ice cream, it'll be fine. Yeah, right. So, yes. And, and, I, and I knew that when I thought of the, the Memphis series that I had to have a book that paid tribute to Elvis. Okay. I was going to ask, are you an Elvis fan? I was. I, all my life I have been. Uh, now, I've never, you know, I, I haven't never been to the Elvis week. It's too hot in August. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I did when I was like 16. I had a, my picture made in front of the house that he had bought for his parents. It was the first house he ever bought, wow. and it was not far from where I live. So, and it had music notes on the the gates. They, of course, they had to put gates up to keep people from oh, right. coming all the way to the front door, <laughs> knocking on the door for the people that lived right. there. It's like, please leave us yes. alone. <laughs> So it was it was fascinating. Oh, I bet. And that's so interesting, too, that you just kind of, you just did your research at home and decided what, you know, if there was a body to be found at Elvis Week, what it would be like. Right. Yes, yes. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Justice Betrayed. Um, mm-hmm. Tell our listeners a little bit about the book. Uh, it is a story of Rachel Sloan. Um, she, she, her mother died. Uh, that her her mother's death is one of the ones that happened 17 years ago, mm-hmm. and she had never connected it to the Elvis impersonator. In fact, I don't think she even realized it until she began to investigate Vic's Vic uh, Vic Vegas's death. Mm-hmm. Who is he? Is the aging Elvis impersonator who is at the beginning of the book? And I had a I went to Facebook. I couldn't think of a last name for him. And I asked my readers if they would come up with a name, and 
when I saw Vic Vegas, I just knew that had to be it. It's perfect. It makes so much sense when you think about it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, and, and so, um, she's never really dealt with her mother's murder Mm -hmm. and and always thought it was a robbery gone wrong, but it turned out to be something else. So much deeper as they always do. (laughs) Yes. That, yes. And so, uh, and then, uh, she finally, she was in robbery, burglary and robbery and, uh, but she always wanted to work in homicide, and so when she had an opportunity to uh, go to homicide, uh, she ended, would be working under the guy that she had been had dated, and that's when she broke up with him because it, it, she really wanted to work in homicide, yeah. and she wasn't going to let anything stop her. That's she great. was very focused. Yes, I like a strong woman like that. Yes. <laughs> Do you have fun um, writing the the romance parts of it? Because you mentioned that you like killing, you like the bodies more than the the getting them together parts. But is that something that also um, brings you some joy of of getting to bring these characters together? It does. I like seeing where they're going to go in their relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and mine are more relationship-oriented than they are, say, romance. Sure, yeah. And uh, because to me, they, they... there has to be a relationship. There yeah. has to be a give and take, and it has to develop. And most of my stories happen within, at most, a week. And so you're not, if they just meet, you're not going to have a, him at proposing mm-hmm. because they, there's not enough time. Yeah. What I, what I usually write is the promise of the happily ever after. But um, it with with Boone and Rachel, they had dated, and he was still very much in love with her, and then was very hurt that he had she had broken up with him. But um, so it, I like the dance between them. Yeah. Because and and she of course when she moved into homicide, she thought he was micromanaging her, and um, but because of his issues, it really he he. He didn't really treat her differently from everybody else, but she didn't see that. Yeah, and I always, I always enjoy um, a story with the second chance, sort of. Yes, yes, I like the second chance. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so cool. So, are you? Um, we're about to start talking about uh, what you're watching, what you're reading, and what you're listening to, which is one of our favorite segments on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to mention: Do you are do you have an Elvis song that's one of your favorites? Oh, uh, probably the Red River Valley. I'm, mm-hmm. Right now, my brain is gone. Uh, <laughs> it's Holiday Brain. Uh, I get it. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Deep in the Valley. I, I like that. I like all of his songs. Mm-hmm. That uh, and, I, and I like his fast ones. I like the uh, uh, the Jailhouse Rock. Mm-hmm. And, and if you ever watch, and I watched a lot of the videos. And uh, when I was of the music videos of him mm-hmm. when I was when I was writing it. In fact, I, I played a, a lot of the YouTube soundtracks uh, from the movies yeah so and that was so much fun yeah it was i would have gotten so sucked into uh re-watching all of them and being like it's research (laughs) yes it is and i could and i have i I just play it on my computer while i'm writing usually i can't write to with i I write to music but not with words but but I was able to do that with with this story. Oh, that's so fascinating! It is 
there's very few times that I can, because I'll find myself writing the words right. that I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. I feel the same way. Or I'll start thinking about the story that the songs are talking about. Yes. And I'll get completely lost and then say, oh, I should have been writing. Instead, I'm now in a new world. <laughs> this is true. So is there um, anything uh, recent that you've been watching that you've uh, that you'd like to share with listeners? Uh, I actually, I, I watched, I binge watched not long ago, Broadchurch, which oh, is, yeah. yeah, and it uh, is a really, for a writer, it is a really good thing to watch to see how they develop the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that that is one thing I've watched. I've also watched some forensic files because on my blog, I have a... Every Tuesday, I have a game for my readers to play, and that they have to get. I have three statements, and one of them is false, and they're either crimes or police blotter reports or things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and I have to come up with these questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been watching forensic files for that. Oh, how funny! So, that's. Uh, I mean, a lot of my reading and watching is is for research mm-hmm. because I'm not much of a television or movie watch goer. Um, I'm ADHD, and to think I have to sit still for that long—it's very challenging, I'm sure. It is, and writing has been the best thing for me for ADHD. It's been the best medicine they ever made. That's because you have that one thing that you have to focus on, and you just have um, to get it done. Uh, and it just it it draws me in. It calms my mind. Yeah, for sure. Do you ever so. hear from other authors or readers who um, who also have ADHD and how that they struggle struggle or find the same sort of catharsis with that too? Uh, no, I haven't really done that, but I can imagine because mm-hmm. now all my life I have been able to lose myself in a book, mm-hmm. and it and it. I mean, a bomb, I think a bomb could go off next to me when I'm reading a book, and I never hear it. (laughs) But I can understand how reading or writing or painting, Mm -hmm. and I also do pottery, and that that really... Oh, you're a very busy woman. (laughs) uh, True. But that gives me uh, something for my hands to wrap around. Sure, for sure. And I also knit, and that that helps with ADHD. Yeah, that's funny. I was, um, a few years ago, PBS did, like, they aired all the new Jane Austen movies. They, like, remade them. It was maybe, Mm -hmm. like, six or seven years ago. And I decided that that summer or fall, whenever it was, I was going to learn how to knit. Okay. And so I was knitting while watching these Jane Austen movies and then quickly learned that that's only really good if you know, because I had the same thing, I needed to do stuff with my hands. Um, it was only good if I knew how to knit already. I kept but, yes. getting lost because I would get stuck yeah. knitting and not paying attention to yeah. the movies. Well, and you can't count. You have to be knitting something you don't have to count. Exactly. Because if you have to count, it, uh, I was I was actually knitting a baby blanket when I watched Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. I had to quit because I kept messing up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was making coasters. I was about as yeah. big as I could get, and that was that was the extent of my knitting. <laughs> I love to knit, though. It's really soothing. I wish yeah, I could pick it up it again. Is. Yeah, maybe you will. <laughs> maybe one I day. Learned when I was I learned when I was seventeen. Oh wow! And and I and off and on through years, I would drop it and then. Maybe go ten years before I pick it up again. Pick it up again. Oh, that's so cool! And it just kind of came back to you. Mm -hmm. 
It did. That's awesome. Well, Patricia, our time is almost up. I've, oh. I've monopolized your time enough for this afternoon. But I am curious, uh, for our listeners, how can readers uh, stay in touch with you and find out more information about you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook at Patricia Bradley Author and on my website, uh, ptbradley.com, uh, or my blog, which is ptbradley.com forward slash blog. Easy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> mostly um, I like to. Con- I really my favorite place to connect. I'm I connect a lot on Facebook, and I'll usually have questions. Right now, we're talking about on Facebook about Brussels sprouts. Oh yeah, my one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I put up there because I don't like them. <laughs> oh, we have so, a battle going. <laughs> yeah, everyone has been telling me how to cook them. Well, I've tried cooking them, and they're still bitter. Too bitter for you. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if it's some people's taste. I think so. My um, my fiance can't eat anything that's like like the I don't know what that not coniferous, but whatever that type of vegetable is, like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, asparagus. He it's too yeah. bitter for him. He won't eat it. Well, see, I love all the I love the broccoli and I love the cabbage. Mm, me too. Which is only a cousin to Brussels sprouts and, and I just really don't understand I've, just, I've about decided I don't have to cook them yet yeah it's possible you know I've only time I, I mean I like them a lot but I think that you have to boil them to get that bitterness okay. out but oh, okay. yeah like boil them in salt and pepper and then okay. that helps a little bit of cutting that um the bitterness out if you just blanch okay. them my that's my that tip because, for you <laughs> okay because I have been grilling them Ah yes, and that can help. Uh, that can help bring out even more of the bitter because you've got the fiery flavor in there too. Right. Yeah, and you're not diluting it. Yeah, exactly. And thought about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Boil them with salt I'll and pepper. Try. You'll be good to go. I'll try that. Awesome. Well, Patricia, thank you so much. This yes. was a lovely chat, I'll and I hope you have a great fun. rest of your day. Thank you. You too. I'd like to extend my thanks again to Patricia Bradley for joining me today. You can find Justice Betrayed anywhere books are sold. You can also stop by freshfiction.com to read a review. Thank you also to Ravel Books and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Patricia and other Ravel and Bethany House authors. We're still growing, so please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. Until next time, happy reading.